Today on Pro Corner, I talk with Irish Olympian and Toronto Titan star Shane Ryan. Shane is an interesting case that pops up a lot in sports with international competition where he grew up stateside and but spent a lot of time in Ireland growing up and has a parent who's Irish and has a significant familial presence in Ireland. Uh, but he grew up in Pennsylvania and he went to the Penn State University and you can hear the mid-Atlantic accent in his voice um, that I'm very familiar with growing up in Baltimore, Maryland, where everyone said Warsh and Wooder instead of Wash and Water. <laughs> but it happens a lot in sports. And usually the kid is born here or they could be born over there and they move when they're very young. And the parent who has the nationality of the country that's not America takes the time to go through the bureaucratic hoops of making sure that the kid has dual citizenship has a passport from that other country and then when the time comes for them to be an elite athlete to represent a country on the international stage they can choose do i want to be american or do i want to be something else in shane's case he is doubly special because he actually had international competition as an american under his belt before he made the switch to ireland now for me growing up I always thought that if you got a competition or two done with one country, that you you were just locked in forever and you couldn't make the switch. I figured there was just way too much bureaucratic red tape to switch countries once you've chosen one, I guess. And I think you guys will find that sort of thing interesting because we see it a lot. You know, There's people on the U.S. men's national team for soccer that grew up on a military base in Germany, but they're Americans and they choose to represent America. And selfishly for me, uh, I wanted to find out more because my wife actually has an Irish passport. Her father was born and raised in Limerick and was an Irish national citizen until just last year when he became an American citizen. So I might, my kids one day might have access to that sort of thing as well. So I wanted to learn more so I wouldn't have to do as much paperwork when the time comes. So we talk about that. We talk about the the wealth of resources that come from staying in a country like Ireland, which he's done, he did for about a year leading up to the Olympics and has done uh, recently before this ISL season. And having a government-run national training center at your disposal. So in the United States, our national governing body, USA Swimming, is a nonprofit organization. It's just like a charity or a foundation in terms of how it's seen as a business. It's not run by the U.S. government. It has private sponsorships. Um, if you go to the uh, Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, you can see the long list of sponsors that contribute to USA Swimming to the U.S. Olympic team. And it works great. I loved being a member of USA Swimming growing up. And as someone who represented them internationally a couple times, the resources that were available to me, I felt were amazing. But it's different in a country where it's run through the government and you have the full weight of the government behind you. So we also talk about that sort of support that he felt, the resources he has at his disposal. Um, and then we also talk about the ISL, which is something that just because the season's going on is very interesting to me. Shane's path to the ISL so far reflects 
uh, let's talk about apparel on another sport. So last year in the inaugural ISL season, he was brought up midway through for the LA Current. And he didn't really have a ton of responsibility. He did a couple events. And this year, he has an expanded role with the Toronto Titans. So if he were an NBA player, you could say he was like the sixth man or the seventh man on the team, brought in off the bench to hit a couple three-pointers, make a couple hustle plays, play some good defense, get a couple rebounds, but play a maximum of, of, say, 12 of the 48 minutes out of the game. He's also He was also in a contract year, same as an NBA player. So because he was impressive in his role for the current in the first season, he had a lot of suitors in the offseason in between the 2019 and 2020 seasons. He went with the Titans, it seems, from talking to him because he wants to be a part of growing something. Um, he talks about wanting to grow the sport of swimming in Ireland, and we dig into that. But even something as new as the ISL... The Toronto Titans are now the new guys this year because they're one of the expansion teams with the Tokyo Frog Kings. So he wants a leadership role. He wants more responsibility when it comes to his events in the pool. He's one of the best in the world at two of his events, the 100 back and the 100 fly, especially short course, which is the format that the ISL uses. So I really like being able to draw those parallels to the two other sports because that's not something that we can do a lot in swimming. Also regarding the ISL, the next couple episodes coming up, I actually got on a Zoom call with a couple people that are over there in Budapest right now. I talked to Tate Jackson of the Cali Condors and Ali Tetzloff of the LA Current. And those episodes will be releasing next week. They'll also be on the YouTube channel in full video format. And I get a full day in the life perspective from them of what it's like to be over there on Margaret Island in Budapest and just be hunkered down for a swim meet for six weeks with very strict rules about social distancing, about meal times. We dig into all of that in both episodes. Um, I think their perspective on what they're, what's going on over there in this experiment is super fascinating. So stay tuned next week because I'm going to start expanding the YouTube presence Those episodes will also be available in traditional audio format if you're listening on a podcast service right now. That will be uninterrupted. Um, I'm also going to be doing, like I've said before, a live reading of uh, viewer and listener questions. I've been getting really good feedback so far. And if there's any sort of question that you want me to read off, I'm going to be bringing in a special guest to do it with me very soon um, once I really get rolling with this ISL stuff and I feel like I've produced enough content for that. I'll do this live reading and also record it as an audio and a video podcast with my special guest. So keep sending in those questions. You can reach me at austin at procornerpodcast.com or DM on Instagram at procornerpodcast. Or if you're watching or listening on YouTube, uh, leave a comment below. Let's get started with Shane. I'm here with Shane, currently in Ireland, uh, waiting his big trip to Budapest to compete in the ISL. Uh, for the Toronto Titans. How are you doing, Shane? Good. Everything's going well. Just, just uh, antsy to get on over there. Uh, we're not there yet. 
I know for all the Toronto Titans, we're going to be getting there on uh, next Monday, actually. So a week from now um, on the 19th, and then we'll race the uh, at the end of the week then. So how are you framing uh, your training around, around this ISL meet? Um, give us kind of a snapshot of your daily life over the last, let's say, month or so, because you have tapered down for Olympics before. You have tapered down for Worlds before. But those are week-long meets. Yeah. How are you approaching the ISL, which is a six-week affair where you kind of have to balance being rested for every meet, but also, um, I guess, extending your training base the entire time? Yeah. So it's like for the past um, – really for the past year, I've been – my coach and I have been like really working on like trying to find out what's the right training for me at first, you know, because like, you know, your body changes from when you were like 18 to 20, you know, now I'm like 26, but like my body, like I'm in the best shape of my life, especially coming out of like the whole coronavirus thing. Cause like I lived by myself through that whole experience. And all I did every single day was train three hours a day. Either it was either on a bike or lifting or doing core. Mm-hmm. Um, and even got to like swim out into the sea where I had to get a wetsuit because the water was like below freezing and all that stuff just to get into the water, which kind of crazy, but you got to do what you got to do, you know? Were you jumping off the cliffs of more or what? Oh God, no! <laughs> yeah, you you wouldn't you wouldn't be want to be doing that at all. Um, but no, so like I came out like a really good, ready to go. Um, like a lot of fast twitch, a lot of speed. So throughout this whole time leading up to this point, um, I'm not going to be resting for like really at all through this whole thing because I'm ready to go where we've been training so much speed work and consistency where like I'll do like basically the setup of the, uh, the skins for the fifties. Right. And I've been doing this set for a while now where we do six fifties and the first fifties on six minutes. And this is like mostly freestyle. And then the next one will be on five. The next one will be on four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I've been really working on like doing that a lot of short rest stuff. So I've been, training my body to be able to go at any moment to like literally just have that speed. And I've been swimming really, really well, um, with that plus the strength. Um, I mean, like the last time I really was like ready, it was raced wasn't, was at Europeans. And like, I am so much faster now than I was at Europeans. And even like for long course at like 2019 worlds, like I'm 14 pounds lighter than I was. Uh, I am not like now than I was then. So that's, everything's moving in the yeah, everything's moving in the right direction. And how does that how does that shift in your body change? Um how did that shift how you feel in the water? Have you noticed a significant oh, difference? We'll take we'll yeah, take us, it's just I felt take us through the whatever the big time difference is. It's just the weight. It's like fourteen extra pounds, you know, like I was like was it two hundred and twenty five or right or two hundred and twenty three pounds? Um, which is like, I was like 99 kg and then now I'm back down to like 93. So it's like, that's like probably about like 205 to 20, like 10 right around there. Um, so it's like, it's a big, big difference on that point and it's just less weight. And now I'm like, yeah, you, sometimes like you, the, the mass that you have, you might be able to lift stronger or lift heavier, but I'm actually lifting heavier now and faster. I'm way better in the water with the feel and everything like that. So things are just looking really well uh, for the ISL. That's what matters in the water, right? Is yeah. And I, and we've all, especially uh, idiot college swimmers like us, we've all yeah. been in that mindset of like, let's just stack mass and get super jacked oh in college. God, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, it's all, it's like, you always want to try to lift big heavy weights all the time, which like I'm doing that, but like you have to stay lean. You have to stay light. It's not about, you can be the strongest person in the world and be an okay swimmer, but you'd rather be the, like, you'd rather be, if your main priority is swimming, you need to have like that feel for the water. And I know a lot of guys that are really strong in the weight room, but it doesn't translate at all to the water at all. And they just thrash through the water and they don't go as fast. Right. And also it's not just being strong, but also the straight, the strength to weight ratio on top of that. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what you want. You know, like if you have a good weight coach, he'll understand that. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just nice that like, it took us, took me a while to figure out what I needed to do to find what's best for me. But like, cause we tried all the different things. I'm a very abstract thinker. I like trying to mimic anything I can in the, like in the gym that like mimics the water. So anything that will help me become stronger in the water, I'm going to try. Have you always been that way uh, where you where you try to do that in the weight room where you're mimicking specific movements? Or was there a moment where you began to shift your thinking in that direction? Um, it was really when I shifted. I, shift, I wasn't always like that. I kind of like – I didn't really start lifting at all. I never lifted until I was like 18 when I got into college. So it's like a lot of swimmers are now starting to lift. There's more like research on that and all that stuff. But I kind of just filed the program there. But as soon as I like the past like year and a half, I've been really trying to focus more. The past two years, really, I've been trying to focus more on what I need to do in the gym to help me better fit in the water and all this other stuff. So it's like I've been really good with that. Even like at the pool, um, I'll use like a weight belt. And it's like, you know, three, three pounds on the front and then three pounds in the back where I have, and it's just like a little strap that I have, I'll swim with that on. But then I actually, I was like, one day I was like, why wouldn't I do dives with it on? Right. You're overtraining your explosiveness of the dive that way. Yeah. But it also really makes you like tighten up your core and make sure you get a good entry in. And like, there's been a significant improvements in how much farther I've been getting off the block with just a couple times I've been doing that. And also me being able to get that little swoop when I dive into the water as well. Um, and I even try it on backstroke and the backstroke's a bit odd, but like it still mimics that same kind of like stress on the body a little bit more, adding that little more, more weight um, and focusing on the little things instead of just like ripping it and just being all aggressive. It's about like that little pop and the, like the fluidness of the start itself. And it's been working really, really well. The resistance training, it seems to fit under the umbrella of resistance training. Um, yes, 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 and, which I'm a big fan of that as well. And so you found that it's not just about uh, like you're jumping off the block with weights around you. It's not just about like the same goals that you would have in the weight room when you put weights on your back for a squat. It's about body connectivity and summoning I guess, yep. better coordination to get yourself off the block because you have to with those little three pound belts. Yeah. So te- yeah, it's like, I mean, and I can play around with like the, as many weights as I want. Cause we have like the little ones that fit where it won't hurt me or anything like that. Cause you never want to get injured when you're trying something new. Um, but no, it's, it's, yeah, it's just like, it's just more weight on yourself. Your, your body's going to be taxed a little bit more and put in an uncomfortable position. So when I took it off, I just it just fl- I just flew off the block, and it was just an unreal experience. But I, like that's I love finding new little things about that. Like my mind's always thinking about 
what can I do to become faster? Like very abstractly, even my coaches were like, no, don't do that. I'm like, no, I got it. Like, it's fine. Like, I, I, I want to try this. And it worked. And I took the belt off and they were like, that's one of the, the best starts I've ever seen in my entire life where I was just diving probably like two feet out of the, of the flags. Now I'm diving like within a foot of the flags. Like I'm entering there where it's crazy on how much and I've been proven all my starts alone. And does that come from the same, um, the same well of knowledge that you gained from doing say power racks and buckets over the years where you tie a strap to yourself and swim with weight in, either in the bucket or on the rack. Do you feel like that's in the same kind of category? Of course. Yeah, I think so. Um, cause you have to put strain on your body. And when I went one of my best times, of uh, in the hundred backstroke, I actually did like a little like power tower set before I swam just to open up my stroke, just to put my body in that position of like trying to open up get that feel feel your body making sure you're not over rotating your hips and just like letting it just flow instead of just being aggressive and it's the same thing if you don't have buckets you can do it with a stretch cord or you can find like sponges and tie that around around yourself as well um, with like or parachutes so it's all about just being connective and knowing what your body is doing even though you can't see what your body is doing I love that repurposing and shift in perspective around the purpose of resistance. Like people do the bucket workouts to work themselves out, but here you are doing it at a meet right before you do your very best time and your best event. Yeah. I mean, it was just something that like, I just threw onto myself. Like I was just like, you know what? Like I'm having a hard time. I don't feel the greatest. And there was buckets there. Luckily it was at my home pool. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this because that's what I think is the best for me. And it worked. So something sometimes it happens like that and sometimes it doesn't. But I mean, you have to try some new things. And like for me, it's like I'm 26, but I'm still getting faster. Like I'm literally going still getting faster, which is one of the best parts about swimming. And I guess that's why I love it so much more than I did about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing all of this training and all this experimenting at – is it a national training center that you're at in yeah, Ireland? Yeah, so it's National Center Dublin. So I'm currently living in Dublin, Ireland. I train um, in Dublin, and we have a great facility. We have a 50-meter pool and a 25 by 25 um, diving well as well. And then we have like this amazing weightlifting facility as well at the Sports Institute, which is all the same mm-hmm. campus. So it's like our little Olympic center um, that we have here uh, right outside. Like It's in Dublin, but it's like right outside like from the main center city. So no, it's, it's, um, really, it's like one of my favorite pools to swim and race in. It's such a nice pool. So what's it like, because as someone like myself, and then you also grew up in the U S um, we both grew up in a country where it's club swimming and the, the NGB is a nonprofit organization, not necessarily a government organization Mm -hmm. in USA swimming. Um, and I've been to Colorado Springs before and it's amazing place the uh, U S Olympic training center. I want to know what the, what the subtle differences are that you notice being a part of a, a government run national training center yeah. and what you've seen in your day-to-day life since you've been a part of it. Yeah, no, um, it's a lot, it's every club, everything with swimming, it like has their same, like, you know, same things, you know, it has like, you know, the director, the head coach and all this other stuff. But, um, but it's also two completely different things. So it's like more so club based over in the States, but here it is club. But there's not a lot of emphasis, you know, and it's also like the cash flow they have and resources they have here aren't the best, but they make 
do with it as the best they can. And they've in the past couple of years, they've been doing a really, really good job with, you know, getting swimmers to do more, doing more for at swim meets, doing more for the athletes. Um, and it's becoming like, that's why, you know, the past two and a half years, there's been centers now. So there's a national center, Dublin and a national center, center, uh, Limerick, which is on the other side where the cliffs of Mohor are, um, in Limerick. And they have a nice 50 meter pool there. Um, and then there's like kind of one up in Northern Ireland for our Northern boys. Um, and that's up in uh, Bangor um, in Northern Ireland there. And there's not that many 50 meter pools. There's only like four 50 meter pools in all of Ireland. So we're lucky that we have one. Mm-hmm. And do you feel uh, the level of support that you get from the country? Uh, do you feel like, I guess the country of Ireland is behind you because the training is centralized within the government and it's a national training center. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, it's a really good opportunity that we have. And, um, the training here is very, very more individuals, like very, very good. It's really different here than it is over in the States. Now there are some things I like, but I like how they go about things here more because it's a lot more individual. It's a lot clearer. Um, you have a little bit more say it's about being more professional here than it is about being on a team sport or at a club sport or something like that, where you have that kind of more team mentality, but you do have your individualism here. You have your professionalism, but then you also, you're, you're swimming for your country at the same time, which is, I mean, the best thing ever. It's a, it sounds like a great balance between you get to have the pro mindset in swimming, which individual sport I'm doing what's best for me. And I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing while also being very supportive of your teammates. And then when you guys go to meets, you're one team. That sounds yeah, like a great exactly. balance. And yeah. just just for everybody listening, it's a contrast between what Shane and I grew up in in the club environment where you could have 20, 30 kids in the pool at a practice at a time, everyone doing the same thing. Yeah. Or when you were at Penn State University, I mean, you guys had a pretty huge team, right? Yeah, we had a big team, but like we, our facilities weren't the greatest. Um, I think Penn State would be one of the best swimming programs in the whole country if we just got better uh facilities like our pool was made in like 64 and it's a 25 yard pool and a 25 meter pool and then like a 12 by 12 uh like meter like diving well you know it's like old old stuff but we make do with the best we can right. but you have like your sprint group your mid d group and all that stuff but here um like i do my own thing like they're tailored to me um what i need to do um and like i, I share a lane with one other person so we just go sides mm -hmm. on each one. So it's great that we have this small little group and it's very individualized. But I mean, we still do like, you know, like this morning, always on Monday mornings, we do a 12K skips and then we do our four 100s, which is like an aerobic check. And we have like heart monitors that we wear and it's like a, like a little descent on 140 hundreds long course just to see where our little check is. Like we always do that together. And then after that, we kind of split off. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a lot different from where you're doing it with everyone and some things you do like, and some things you don't, and you don't really have a say to, you can kind of have a say and like sit down with your coach and be like, Hey, you're like, this is what I think. What do you think? Let's gel together and, and make it the best way we can. You know, that level of power and equity over your training must be such an amazing thing. Oh, uh, it's great. It really is. But it took me a while where I fully only listened to my coach at one point when I first moved over here about, um, over two years ago. Um, and mm -hmm. like, you know, gave it everything I could, gave it everything I got. 
Um, and it just didn't work out, but that was okay because it's like, you know, I was swimming a little bit more than I wanted to, but like all that swimming didn't go to waste. So then, uh, you know, I like had a little bit more say, sat down with my coach in the right way. And, um, yeah, we came together and like, now we, we have it down. It took a while, and but we have it down where like I'm doing, I'm getting my aerobic in, I'm getting my power and speed in, um, and I'm doing everything I'd possibly can and it's like everything's just moving in the right direction um which we're both very happy about how does that balance out the relationship with the coach because again to contrast just because this is my own experience Mm -hmm. you talk to your coach right when i was in college at texas i I talked to eddie and i make suggestions but it's his program yes it's it's his team that he has to run and manage an entire vibe for 35 people for Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, I defer to him and it's his direction. And when I was at club, I mean, I'm a high school kid. So there's, you know, Mm -hmm. there's not really any say in what we're doing. Yeah, no. And even as a pro, I was a part of a group um, with NBAC where, you know, Bob Bowman had to worry about what the whole group was doing because even there, there was 15 of us. And, you know, Michael Phelps and Chase Kilish were a part of it. For you it's the awesome part of you feel this equity because the training is for you, but you still want to listen to your coach and your coach is still the one that's guiding you through it. So how does that relationship balance where you have a little bit more equity and a little bit more say in what you're doing than you're, than you were probably used to growing up? How do you guys, I guess, have, have you guys sorted out that sort of relationship where yeah. he'll say something, you say something, take me through that. Yeah. So it, like, it took a while to build like something like a relationship like that. Um, in our group at the moment, we have about 12 guys, 11 guys um, that are all, you know, mixed match. And like, we don't really have like a distance, distance, we don't have a distance, distance group. So like the most anybody's doing is 60 K um, at in like in a whole week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'm only doing like my big week is only 25 K, but it's like very, very high intensity work. So it's, it's good. Um, and I still get like my good base aerobic in like at least twice a week and everything else is speed and power. Uh, but that's what we're doing at the moment. But no, it's, um, it's, it's definitely all about experience, um, knowing your body, knowing what you need, but approaching your coach in the right and proper way, because it's, if you sit down with them and then approach them in the right way, they're going to like receive you a little bit more and you can't just go to them and be like, this is what I want. Like you have to have information. You have to have like, okay, this is why I say this and have like information to back it, you know, like, and that's with my coach. Like he likes having the information, like, but why are you doing this? Like, why do you want to do this? And like, I'll have like three reasons why I want to do this. And it'd be like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Cause it's like, he wants you to think about what you're doing instead of, Oh, I just want to do this and that's it. Like, it's just, it's cause it's easier. Or it's something or like I sometimes ask for stuff, some stuff that's a bit harder because that's what my body needs at the moment because like he doesn't know how I'm feeling or anything else like that. And I have to make sure that I communicate how I'm feeling, what way I think and all that stuff to him because the more information as, as a coach like has, the better he's going to tailor it for you. You understand? I do. It's, yeah. it, it sounds like – that, that requirement he has of you presenting your case, it makes you a better student of your own swimming as a exactly. result. Exactly. Yeah, you have to be a student of the sport because, I mean, this is my job. You know, it's like I'm not doing anything else. So it's like I have to swim like well, you know, and it's like I love what I do. I love going in every single day to practice 
and trying to work on something new and you never know what you're going to feel like as soon as you get in the water, be like, ah, oh, my shoulder's a bit tight, but I know that's tight. So now I need to do this, this, and this, and then focus on something about like trying to do at least three kicks off every wall for the whole practice or mm-hmm. something, just something you have to always be thinking. You said this is your job and we, I don't need exact details, but I think it's something that's not talked about very much that I'd love to hear, hear from you how is your income piece together? And you can just tell me again, just like the broad overview. Um, yeah. Cause you get support from, from the country. Yes. And then how, how else do you put together your income as Shane Ryan professional swimmer? So like my income, majority of it comes from, you know, being on like a carded um, like, which is like, you know, the funding that we have here. Um, it's not the greatest, but it is what it is and it's, it can be better, but um, it's also good at the same times. Cause um you know, you work with, you know, the national body and you work with some Ireland and then like, so I get that. But then also it's like, you have to be at the level that I'm at, you have to be willing to put yourself out there, which I'm very, very lucky to have certain sponsorships. So I have a sponsor, a car sponsorship. So that's very good. So I don't have to pay for a car. I get a new car every six months, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I got an insurance sponsorship as well. So that's awesome too. So I don't have to pay my insurance. Um, and then I have a sponsorship with Circle K, which is a partnering sponsor with um, a, like Team Ireland as well, the Olympics for our sponsors. So that's great. So I don't have to pay for gas as well. So it's about putting yourself out there um, and making connections and making, you know, like, you know, relationships with brands and what you believe in. And I reached out to a company um, called NoCo, which is a no carbs company. It's a little um, branch amino acid energy drink mm-hmm. that has like you know 180 milligrams of caffeine and then five grams of branch amino acids in one thing and no sugar. So it's like for me, like I like the branch amino acids because it helps you recover and everything like that. And then the caffeine helps me just be more alert and do what I need to do. Instead of having a cup of coffee, I'll have that in the morning before training because it's more geared towards athletes and trying to better themselves and all that stuff. So I like, you know, you have to be able to adapt and also try to put yourself out there and represent your name and put them with brands and all that stuff. So that's what I um, currently do. And then also try to do, um, you know, swim clinics as well, um, which I used to still always, anytime I go back home to the States for a good bit, I always try to work it fitter and faster, which is an awesome opportunity. And now I'm trying to do something like that over here in Ireland, once everything kind of calms down with the coronavirus and just try to give, Ireland a taste of what the US has with you know the the all the Olympians that are doing like you know that like you can experience and be in the water with like there really isn't that many Olympians here that are doing that so I want to be one of the first to to start to try to do something like that and expire and um, inspire the younger generation of Irish Mm -hmm. swimmers so and I want to dig more into your beliefs about the swim clinics but just just to kind yeah. of recap what you took us through about your income, your job is two part. It's doing the training and swimming well, and then also yes. putting yourself out there. The work, the work, I guess, is putting yourself out there, and then the product is your name and your and your recognition that you have uh, yes. because of your accomplishments. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, I'm lucky enough to have four. Um, like four big uh, international medals for Ireland. You know, I have like two European medals, one world medal, and then a world university game medal. So like that definitely um, helps because it just kind of shows that like, you know, every year I'm going to a meet and I'm coming back with a medal. So like I need to make sure that, you know, I'm doing my job. That's, yeah, you know. 
and that part of your job, you said you want to get swim clinics started in Ireland. Mm -hmm. What is it about the fitter faster clinics? Um, that inspire you to do it over there because that's quite the undertaking to start something like that. And it has to come from a place that you really believe in why they matter. So can you take us through that? Yeah. I mean, like growing up, I mean, you know, like I've done maybe like one or two swim clinics and like I really, really enjoyed them. I did one at Jersey Wahoos with like Dara Torres and Brendan Hansen. And, you know, they asked me to like to go swim with them at like their own practice and stuff like that, which was a great. And like, I just still remember that to this day. Um, like, you know, you know, swimming with them at the, like, at their, at, like doing our practice with them. But like, you know, I was very lucky to be able to do that, but you no, know, doing the fitter and faster swim clinics. It's like, I'm in the water all the time, but when I'm doing a fitter and faster swim clinic, like I don't care how long I'm in the water. It's just like, I love giving back to the younger generation because like, Looking for instance, like Michael Phelps, we all thought those world records would never get broken, and his two fly record got broken, and his hundred fly record got broken. You know, there's always going to be a better swimmer that's going to be coming up, but like you want to spark something in a younger generation, um, and it's just like I love giving back because I have so much knowledge. Like I have to share that with the younger generation and doing stuff like that, and it's like the kids enjoy it so much. Where like a whole, like I did one in Florida with Brett Halk once, uh, a fitter and faster some clinic. And then like a year and a half later, I get a message from a kid saying like, Hey, thank you so much. Congratulations on that. I still remember some of the things you told me to do. Um, so it's just like, just getting those little messages, like saying, Hey, thank you so much for this. Like this really helped me. This improved on this. It just makes me feel like, okay. It's like swimming isn't all about like making money and getting medals. It's like, it's a future generation. Like it's a life sport swimming is. So it just opens up more doors, you know, um, and there's not a lot of Irish Olympic swimmers in Ireland. Mm -hmm. So I really want to try to bring up and get kids inspired to be, you know, to swim older, you know, like to stay in swimming longer. Cause like, I'm one of the oldest swimmers in, like I'm the second oldest swimmer in Ireland that's still continuing to swim, mm -hmm. you know, compared to the States where you have so many guys like that are my age, um, and older and younger, but you're starting to see it's more of a trend in the world professional swimmers are starting to stay on longer. So I'm trying to do something like that for Ireland as well, because it's, we're a very, very strong country and a sport here is un, unreal, you know, with like the Gaelic football and the hurling. So they have that kind of sporty background. It's just, we're going to try to, you know, I'm going to try to put that into swimming a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We had that, we have a measurable effect that we're living in now in the States with the Michael Phelps and the Ryan Lochte generation shifting the paradigm of what you can do with a swimming career and the Aaron Pearsalls and the Brendan Hansons. And you got to get uh, yes. a taste of that as a kid. Yeah. Um, and so I guess, so you're trying to basically open that perspective for Ireland now as well, that yes. kids can yeah. go through high school through uh, being a pro and staying in it all the way up until, I mean, you're 26 and not going to stop anytime soon, all the way up as long as any professional athlete might stick with their sport. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's great. It's a, and I mean, I'm loving it still, you know, like I really had a hard time, you know, about like a year ago after worlds. Cause I wasn't like, I didn't swim well, I was in a bad spot. And then even like in college, you know, sometimes it's like, you're waking up five 30 in the morning, pitch black walking. Like, you know, you, you had the pleasure of going down to Texas where it was somewhat warm. I was at the <laughs> Penn state. It was like negative 20 degrees oh, I, was, I, was, I was walking through six feet of snow come on now <laughs> oh, 
it was it was bad. Like my there were some mornings where my car wouldn't start because the all the fluids in my car were frozen. Oh my gosh. Like the antifreeze in my car was frozen. So like I had to roll it down a hill to a shop, get it all fixed, but it was so cold where I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Okay, I need to pay for college. I need to get so I was very lucky to get like, you know, a scholarship to Penn State, got my degree. Then afterwards I started finding a little bit more about myself and why I love swimming. And it's yeah, completely different. And so while you were at Penn State, you qualified for the Rio Olympics. Does that timeline match up? Yeah. Yeah. So in um, 2015, after when I was done my finals, I got the okay from Penn State that they would um, hold my scholarship and, you know, hold like hold off on my grades and all that stuff, um, classes. And I moved to, um, yeah, moved to Ireland before the 2016 Rio Olympics, did all that. Um, and like, as soon as I got off the plane, I went right to a, like a lawyer and got like signed documents saying I was here on this day at this time to clarify that I was like here because then it literally the whole, another year ago, cause I had to declare residency. I've always had my Irish passport, um, since I was a baby, but I always, I had to declare residency for a year that year, that day where it ended was the day before the 2016, um, European. So it was perfect timing. Um, and you had so to yeah, get no, it done at that time to be eligible to swim for team Ireland as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, well, I mean, it, it all worked out. Can we, can you take us through this? Cause there's a couple things in there that I think people would find really interesting about just like the mechanics of trying to qualify for the Olympic team. So I had teammates at Texas that did what you did where they took, I believe it's called the Olympic waiver where the year yeah. before the Olympics, they're basically saying it's a red shirt. Yes. But it's, yeah, but or, it's also yeah. but it's also not a red shirt. If you also wanted to red shirt beyond that, you could. It's a special it's a special kind of red shirt where it's like I'm taking the year off to not be in the flow of college swimming and just focus on the Olympics. And some people stay home and stay at their college program. Yes. But you you went over to Ireland to train with the National Training Center. So this was March, season's over. You moved to Ireland. What was the process of qualifying? Were you already qualified at this point or what did you have to do to get to that point? Yeah. So the reason why I had to declare my residency there for the whole year is because I ended up uh, representing like Team USA in like 2013 at like Duel in the Pool. Mm -hmm. So like, that was like one of the main reasons why I had to live there for a whole year. Um, so at that time I did that, went over and like, we just, my mom was like, always had that in the back of her head. Like, Oh, just making sure like, you know, like this could be a possibility. I'm like, nah, 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 it's okay. It's all good. And then like an opportunity presented itself. And I was just like, I made a decision in like literally like two days I made a decision. I'm like, all right, dropping off everything. Here I go. Said bye to my friends, said bye to my family and moved, moved over to Ireland. I lived in like a, like on this like on the campus here like it's like an olympic campus basically but it's like still farmland you know it's crazy that like dublin is like very unique because it's like i'm in dublin but it, there's farms in dublin so like lived by myself for like over a year um in this little bungalow house which is like did not like it but i really it was a really really hard time for myself but like that's why through this whole corona thing i was okay with it mm -hmm. um but no, yeah, so I ended up like jumping off the plane, went to the lawyers, um, and I wasn't able to represent Ireland at all for the whole year. So the first time I was able to represent Ireland and swim for Ireland was in 2016 in, um, in London 
at the um, European Championships. Mm-hmm. And um, and was that so I couldn't do anything. And you guys don't have a trials. You guys go by FINA cuts, correct? We used to. We used to go by FINA cuts. Uh, so in 2016, I got my FINA A standard in Bangor up in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was actually at that time, I was the first ever Irish swimmer to actually qualify in Ireland. Um, so that was pretty cool. That's a, that was that able is a to, like, special moment. Yeah, it was really, really cool that I was able to do that. Um, so yeah, so I ended up like qualifying, got the A cut, uh, and then ended up, um, yeah, that was me, that was me qualified. And I had B cuts for the 100 free and the 50 free, which I also swam those events as well. And Rio, uh, but now um, we have uh, time trials, like where we had like time trials, where like it's just the same with USA, where if you get the time trial and you place in like you know the first one, whoever like first and second, they'll be able to go. Okay, so it's shipped over to and an, a, a U.S. Olympic trials type format. Yes, 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 yes. But back to sixteen, what was going through your mind when you got that A cut? You're the first Irish swimmer to do it in Ireland. And I mean, you can't just throw out the fact you you became an Olympian that day, right? Yeah. What was that like for you? Yes. Uh, it was great. It was like it was just more so like I was underneath the the time before. Okay. But I was having a hard time achieving that time because I, like I went over like, and the training was different. It was a new environment. Like look, moving. I was like twenty one years old, and I just like dropped everything and moved to Ireland. And yes, I had like family here. My dad's like one out of ten. And he's the only one living in the States. So I have a huge Irish family over here. But like I didn't have a car. I had 50, like $50 to my name. All I had was like a bike for transportation. And like the closest shop was like 45 minutes away, like on a bike. So it was, it, it was hard um, going through that. But it was just more so of relief because I knew I already had the A standard, but I just needed to do it at that time. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And it was just more of a like a relief, like, thank God I got it. Now, like, I can relax and enjoy the process. Now, I want to talk about enjoying that process. What was it like being in Rio and swimming there and representing your country? Uh, it was an unreal experience. It absolutely is because it's like, you know, I'm 6'6", you know, I'm a tall guy, mm-hmm. but I felt very, very small. But at the same time, I felt very, very tall as well because it's like you're, you're seeing like you're eating with like these basketball players that are massive weightlifters that are massive. But then like you see like the, the gymnastic, um, like, you know, the Chinese gymnastics, like the girls, the women's team there. And it's like, they're just like four foot nine. And like, you're just like, Whoa, like this is just like in a whole array of like, you know, people there. And it was just a, such an amazing experience to be there and to see all the different athletes in their prime mm-hmm. and do what they do best. And like, it's just like, you'll see Usain Bolt literally just like one. And then you just see him walking around, like around, like the campus, like the campus, like it's nothing, you know, it's just like such a weird atmosphere, but it's such a like unique atmosphere at the same sounds time. Sounds like a different planet. Mm-hmm. And so you're, that's exactly what was. It. And so the A cut was in the hunter back. Take yes. me through. I want to hear about your preparation on the day for your swim and uh, you, and the swim itself and how it felt to, to do that swim. I really want to get in your head while you're doing your swim yeah. at the Olympics and enjoying the fun part of the process. So it's like it was, it was so nerve-wracking because, it's, I mean, you have the whole world watching you. Um, so I ended up, um, for the 100-pack, ended up like making the semifinals, which is really, really cool. 
So the first swim, I had to be like basically right on my best time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the timing of the swims were very, very weird because like that was really like my first big, big meet. It was like Europeans in 2016 and then it was Rio. So it was like very, very new to the whole system and all that stuff. But there was the the timing of the TV. Like I was racing prelims at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon and then like I'm racing fine, like semifinals at like nine o'clock or 10 o'clock at night. So it was very, very odd. So I ended up like waking up, um, got a good night's rest, waking up, but I ended up waking up early, early enough where there was like little pools, like right next to our little, like, um, like where we stayed at. Like, so I ended up like swimming in the morning just to loosen up, try to wake up the core temperature. Mm -hmm. Um, so I ended up doing that and then ended up like, you know, two hours before get to my venue, get to like the pool, the warm up pool, start stretching. Um, and then I get in, do my little warm up, but I'm not doing as much as you normally do because I swam that morning already. Um, and it was, it was just like taking over, you know, cause it's like the main thing is there's not, there's nothing you can do in those two hours before your race to make yourself better. Cause you already put in all the hard work. All you need to do is just go out and enjoy it. Right. You know, and that, and that's, and that's what I did. I went out and, um, swam like you know just put the race together perfectly now i did swim it a bit fast now, at that time i had to swim out go out fast and then try to hang on where like when i flipped at the wall i was like under the world record pace, no way which was kind of yeah i'm pretty sure i was and yeah i hurt i was really <laughs> hurting on the way home <laughs> so um yeah i was like second at the wall and then i ended up just kind of drifting away in the last 25 um, but I t- got my hand on the wall and I made, I was a uh, 14th going into the semifinals and you got a second swim. Yeah. So I ended up like getting a second swim, but I swam awful though. It was such a bad swim. Like I ended up like adding like 0.5 second. Um, but I mean, I was just so nervous. I didn't sleep at all. That was my first Olympics. Didn't sleep at all. Um, like I'd even, like I tried turning my phone off. I was just still so buzzing about it. Um, but like ended up like just like doing what I can, you know, if I was able to sleep, I'll sleep. But if I can't, mm-hmm. I can't. So I just ended up just like relaxing and ended up like going to the pool an hour, like two hours before again, do my little thing, get up, race and enjoy it. And um, yeah, it was um, did some great, but hey, that's what the first Olympics are for. And now that's why I'm trying to go for the second one. Uh, it's OK if you don't know this, but where where do you think that half second came from between prelims and semis? Was it? A mental thing where it's like i this is like this is where i wanted to get to and you couldn't like kind of conceptualize getting beyond it was it a physical thing where you were wiped from not sleeping or is it just like I this nebulous thing that you don't know no i think it was just my mind was just so like i was so excited and i was like so happy to be part of it i think i just kind of wore my mind out more than anything else um and that was really it because it's like I went out like about the same, but I just kind of like died a little bit more at the end. Um, But I mean, it it was just probably because of my mind. I just didn't put it in the right way. Maybe I didn't like breathe the right way or I don't know. It just, it just, you just had those swims where you just like, don't know what happens. And that's just, that was just one of the swims, but I was okay with it because it happened at the Olympics. Absolutely. And I I only asked because, I had a similar conversation with another fitter, faster clinician who represented the Bahamas named Elvis Burroughs. And he talked yeah. about getting to the Olympics and punching that ticket was such a, such a spiritual experience for him that actually mm-hmm. being there 
and this was him. He only swam in the prelims and you made it to the semis, but it seems like there's a point with the Olympic experience that you get to where it's like, I like I've done everything I wanted to do. And the next swim feels almost like a bonus. Yes. Now, like I knew what I could, was capable of doing. Um, it just wasn't the right time for me. I don't think because I was, I was, Oh man, I was like a hundred and like 85 pounds then like i was skinny six six guy oh my gosh yeah i was like yeah i was not in the greatest and i thought i looked so good (laughs) and i was like oh man i'm ready to go all this stuff but (laughs) i wasn't i wasn't really there like yeah and like the training i'm shredded up check out these abs (laughs) yeah yeah but they were like they were they were they were kind of like fake abs because I was so skinny. Yeah, they were emaciated abs. Like, no, I actually yeah. just don't have anything on top of them. <laughs> and then like last year, I got really fat and like really thick. And but now 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 I'm at the spot where I'm supposed to be at, and it's a good time for it as well because these next couple of months are gonna fly by. I'll be at my trials, and then hopefully well, I'll be at the Tokyo Tokyo Olympics. And it's not about like just qualifying for the olympics it's about how far i'm going to get underneath that qualification time and how many events i'm going to be be able to qualify for now because i have the 100 fly now which that just popped up out of nowhere and my 100 free has gotten a lot better as well as and for the irish swim team the more events you stack up you kind of become the one who's carrying the metaphorical torch for the irish national team so how does how does your perspective shift between 16 where it's like this is all new it was your second meet as an Irish swimmer to now where you feel like, I guess, an elder statesman on the team. Like you said, you're the second oldest swimmer. What what, what has shifted and what you want to accomplish at the Olympics this time in 2021? So the one – like it, the main thing is just like you know you have to take it by bits. So my first mentality is just go to Olympic trials and qualify. And if I qualify, I qualify. If I don't, I don't. You know, like I'm okay with whatever the results are, but I'm putting in the work for what I like, I want to qualify. So I'm putting in all the work and I'm seeing the benefits. Now I'm going to see the benefits later. I'm going to be better by the time it comes. But when I get to Tokyo, it's going to be like, not only the semifinals, cause I've made the through prelims, got it to the semifinals. And I've like had like all the experiences from the past of doing the prelims semifinals and then finals with all the other meets I've been able to do. And like coming back with medals and being in the call room, being in like, you know, all this. So I have that experience now where I'm going to be a lot more relaxed in that environment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be able to perform a lot better as well. Yeah, you've gotten the taste. And now you want to take the next step forward with what you want to do with it. Yes, exactly. Because it's like for short course, like I'm I'm right there with like the best in the world um, with event, like a lot of events because I haven't had the opportunity to race the 100 backstroke yet shaved and tapered because i wasn't able to swim it out in 2018 but like i mean i was third in the world for the 50 backstroke and you know i was one of the fastest splits in the 100 free as well made semifinals for that but like that was like the 100 free was literally the night the 50 back was the night before the 100 free so like that was that was rough as well so i need to be better at becoming like you know better with like you know getting back doing my thing getting a drug test and like you know all that stuff. So it's like, I'm going to be so much experience is going to be going into this one. And I'm just really looking forward to it, but I'm having fun because I'm swimming fast. My life is good. Everything's good. I have a great supporting team with sponsorships in swim Ireland. Um, so like, there's nothing that's holding me back. You mentioned that you're 
also one of the best short course swimmers in the world at your events. And that actually inspires a pivot that I want to make back to the ISL. Um, so this year, you're a member of the Toronto Titans. Last year, the first season of the ISL, you were a member of the LA Current. Um, can you take can you take us through how your involvement with the current gets got started? Because I know there's a general manager and for the current it's uh, Lenny Kraselberg. So were you recruited in a way? Like, did they reach out to you and say, hey, we want to sign you? Or did you put yourself out there the way that you do with your sponsorships? How did that process work? Because uh, I think people know- For this year or last year? Last year, because I think people know last generally year. how the big four sports leagues work with GMs and signing contracts. But yes, the, the yeah. ISL is so new and yet still set up in a very similar way. I'd love to hear your thoughts on- or your memory, I guess, on how you got involved and what that process is like being a professional athlete joining a professional team. Yes, yeah. So like last year, uh, when they were starting to put the team together, um, I had someone reach out to me and ask me like, hey, would you like want to be part of the team? They're kind of like stuck between two swimmers like and yourself. And I'd be like, 100%, like, you know, like, uh, like I'll, I'll be there. I want to do this, do this. Um, but the opportunity never came and they ended up going with someone else. So I was like, you know, a little like, ah, uh, like that's a shame because like I know I could be better than him in like other events and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but at the, at the time, it, it was okay. But it's really about like all. Like, and by the way, I real quick, you, you can you can yep. just say that it's Ryan Murphy. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm kidding. Go, keep going. Keep going. So like they had like the backstroke covered, but like at the time, I wasn't really too fast of a flyer. Um, but like now, like I'm a butterflyer now because I ended up like going for the first time ever swimming like a short course, like meters, hundred flies, like 50.4, mm -hmm. but I was out 22, seven in the 50 fly, like in the same event. So it's like, I have that fly now and that was only one time doing it. Um, but now I also have like the freestyle and also now the, uh, like plus the backstroke. So, but no, like they ended up like um, reaching out to me uh, at like the last minute to come over for the U.S. Derby, um, and like you know they got me on like a little bit of a contract there just for the one meet, um, and then like you no, know, they said like oh if like we not we're not sure if you're gonna take you to the Las Vegas, which I wish they wish they did, you know I think they could have needed me there, but um, but they had other they already had like the team already selected I think before. I um, even swam at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was all good. But now this year around, um, they ended up like, you know, getting in contact again. But at that time, already got in contact with the uh, Toronto Titans where they reached out. Both teams reached out to me to see if I wanted to be part of something new. So I ended up being I wanted to do something new and be part of like a new team for the ISL. Um, so yeah, no, I ended up going with the, uh, Toronto Titans. And I want to get to the Titans experience in a second. Um, again, don't need details, but the minutia and the structure of the ISL is something that I want people to know more about. So how was your contract structured with, cause I I've, I've talked to other people about it before and there's a little bit of a base, but a lot of it is based on incentive, correct? Yeah. A lot of it is based on incentive because at the time, I haven't swam the hunt like for butterfly, for instance, you know, I was on a certain number of money for just like my freestyle and backstroke, you know, like that was like my main thing. Um, and everyone was on like on different contracts too. So it was based off of what you could possibly do, or they don't know really mm -hmm. how, like how fast you are in season and all that stuff. Because like, 
that's basically it. It's like it's about being in, in shape in season and doing what you need to do, not just the one meet or two meets every year and then swimming fast at them. It's about being consistent and being consistently yeah. fast. So, and then was it was it tied up in um, in team goals as well? Yes, yeah. So like it's like team goals as well. Like seeing like you know if we don't have a too strong of like of a men's side, we need more of like a stronger women's side because all the t- all the it's not just a men and a women's like normally it is like in college and high school. It's one team, you know, like right. that adds up all the points. So it's um it really depends on all that um. And like, you know, where that kind of, kind of like comes into play and like managing, like who gets what, um, but no, I mean, like at this point right now, like for the whole ISL, everyone across the board gets a certain number of a certain amount of like, you know, for the whole season. And then you just have to make it up in prize money, which is a right. really cool opportunity. And so the whole team, it's not men's and women's, it's a whole combined team of men and women. Yeah. Did that? Did you feel like that plus the incentive of getting more prize money if the team does well? And and I don't mean that in a callous way, but did that help spur a little bit more? Uh, I guess, con- you know, constructed team chemistry in a short period of time. And I ask that because you know, more most sports leagues, um, like baseball or basketball, they're together all the time. Right. And yeah. they train together like your training team is the New York Yankees or the Baltimore Ravens. Right. Yeah. For you guys, the training is decentralized and then you got and then you'll get together on the day for whatever meet happens. Yeah. So did you still feel a like chemistry with your teammates? Did you feel like, yeah, cause it's like, you know, the setup people... of the team. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah. No. So it's like you definitely because it's like when you're in the swimming world. And go into all these meets like you're gonna know you're gonna meet people you're gonna have like the relationships with people so it's like i'm friends with the majority of the people on the team but like i haven't met a lot of them but like i know who they are and like what they're about so it's like they're going to put a good team together but it seems like everyone is going to be getting along well with each other everyone seems so nice and i know majority of them so it's like once i found out who else was part of the team i was like more willing and i was more excited about being part of the toronto titan team because i was like wow i'm gonna be swimming with that person um and like we could really do some damage together like that's that's my mentality kind of going into it so yeah no it's it's really exciting so it's built on something that is extremely valuable in my opinion in the swimming community which is how close-knit it is and how all of the good swimmers tend to know each other in some capacity and be familiar with each other yes so th- this Toronto Titans chemistry, it's already coalescing remotely. Like you're in Ireland, uh, your teammates are spread all around the U.S. and the world. Yeah. But because of previous relationships and what you know about each other, there's already a chemistry ready to go. And you do feel, I guess, I, I the only way I can put it is, is a sense of team being a part of the Titans. Like you believe in the team construct that is the Toronto Titans as opposed to Shane Ryan swimming individual events. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I guess I got asked to be part of the Toronto Titan team, but like I wouldn't have bought bought into it if I didn't believe in the team. You know, it's the same thing about going along and picking a college. Like you're even though once you agree to become like a Texas, you know, to go to Texas, like you feel that part of belongings and like that, that probably like, yes, I'm going to be like, a Toronto Titan, like, yes, I'm going to be part of the Texas. Yes. I'm going to be part of Penn state. It's just, you already feel that like before even going, you know? Absolutely. And 
I'm gonna pin you on something in a very specific time period because you brought up me going to Texas and being a part of it. But before I went to Texas, I, there was recruiting trips. Yes. So you finish your current season, you do pretty well. Um, you become basically a free agent because right? yeah. your contract was only through the season. You weren't brought to the shootout. So it's not like you were on a long-term contract. Yeah. Were you, was there a process? Was this, was there this period where you were weighing out other teams or was it just the Toronto Titans called expansion team and I want to be a part of it? Yeah, no, um, like no one else, like, cause it's all about who, you know, in the general areas, you know, like with the U S team, they're primarily USA dominant, you know, with like the team iron, for instance, like that's more like, you know, central europe and hungarian team so like it's primarily like you know where the team is based off of and like i like mm -hmm. very small you know and all that stuff so it's like it's all about who you know but at the time um i got approached by toronto titans and like you know michael chadwick was like hey do you want to be like you know part of this team and then like i was, I was like yeah like so i ended up talking to the, to the gm and signing like and saying agreeing to everything and then like another team got in contact with me so I was just like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm already with someone. So it was only, it was only two teams, but like, I was just more than happy just to be part of the experience and part of the ISL as well. Because I mean, at the end of the day, um, like I have to stand up on that block and do the best I can, you know, for me to make, you know, to make money, but then also gets points for the team as well. And does it, is it important to you? Obviously the ISL is so new that the meaning of an expansion team right it doesn't it doesn't mean a ton but there were established teams from last year yeah is it important to you that this is an expansion team and you are in on the ground floor of something um yeah is that something you think about that you want to grow the titans uh who you know the other teams have a year head start on in this in this league yeah because it's like everyone else has like you know either was part of a team or wasn't part of the team to have that experience luckily i have a little bit of experience from last year uh, but like, I like racing. I'm really good with short course. I have a lot of experience in that. So I'm ready, like I'm ready to go, but it's also like, I like kind of being the underdogs. They don't know. We really don't know what to expect. We know what to expect with the other teams. So these two new teams that are coming in, yeah, I have an idea, but like, we want to kind of blow them or blow, blow them away a little bit more, especially I do. And being like, Oh, sh like snap like that. Like, they could be doing some damage because they don't really know what we are really capable of in the relays, how we're going to swim and all that stuff. So we're going to be sneaky about it, I think. And we're going to surprise a lot of people. There's unlimited possibility in the unknown. Exactly. And that's got to be incredibly exciting. And the anticipation is the, the next thing that I want to dig into. You're about to leave for Budapest um, within the next week. What what are you thinking about about your setup when you get there? Because you guys, your team is basically being cordoned off to a specific area for six weeks. Yes, yeah. So we're going to be on like an island called Margaret Island, which is actually named out of after like a like a princess who got like moved there back in the 1600s when the king was like trying to fight off the Mongolians or something like that or the Mongols. Crazy story. I was looking up on it, uh, doing some research on it the other day. But yeah, so we're mm -hmm. all going to be on the island. We can't leave the island. We can, but only for an hour and a half, like a day or something like that. And we can't go into restaurants, like, you know, bars or anything like that. It's like really just to walk around. And then when we come back, we have to get tested again. Um, and then like, we're only allowed to be on the bus. We have those social distance, um, wear the mask at all, at all times. There's also penalty points as well, apparently, um, that are going to be like, you know, thrown onto the team if you don't wear a mask if you don't social distance the right way 
Um, so it's, they're very, very strict, but I mean, but that's the thing. That's why they have these rules in place for us, allow us to race and, you know, make a future, make a name for swimming. You guys are, they're basically setting up like fight Island for swimming right now, where you guys are just going there and you're in the Thunderdome for six weeks. And that is the only thing that's in your life. Yep. That's exactly. Is that an, I, I have to imagine that's an exciting prospect for you. Like you said, you've had multiple long stretches in your life where it was basically just Shane Ryan is Rocky four in the Siberian wilderness living by himself. Yeah. And only your only focus was swimming and you thrived in that environment, even when it was tough. Yeah, exactly. So now you're going to an environment where swimming is your only focus, but now you're on this beautiful Island, right? Yep. You're with teammates and you're part of this exciting new league. So I have to imagine that all of that comes together to be right in your wheelhouse. Oh yeah. And and free food come on now i like as a swimmer you're always tired so you don't always have to cook but now we got some free food too it's gonna be paradise <laughs> i mean dude six six weeks of no groceries <laughs> that sounds amazing <laughs> i mean dude i even love it just to tie it back to like you know boring real world stuff but i love working two weeks of a swim camp at a college because i can eat the college cafeteria for two weeks and not worry about buying groceries I imagine six weeks of a professional league's free food while getting to represent the Toronto Titans. Oh, That's yeah. pretty awesome. So cool. So cool. But I just hope the food doesn't get boring. <laughs> I can't imagine it would. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great stopping point. And when, when can we catch your first competition? I think um, we are swimming um, the 24th and the 25th, I believe. Um, and I believe it's on CBS for American audiences, but if not, um, there will be live streams. Yes. Yeah. There'll be live streams. And it's going to be on CBS. So yeah, it's, it's all going to be, you're going to be able to see it. And that's, that's such a cool thing because last year you had to pull up janky live streams or have, I think like ESPN three or something like that. But before we go, um, even though you don't do clinics as much now that you're quarantined in Ireland right now and about to head to Budapest, you and I have run a fitter faster clinic together and you are very much a fitter faster clinician, Mm -hmm. um, as a part of your identity. Yes. So my favorite segment to run with my fellow clinicians is called fitter faster faves. What is your favorite question you get at your swim clinics and how do you answer it? Um, my favorite one would have to be like, um, like what did it take for you to be where you like where I'm at today? you know, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, to become an Olympian and all that stuff. It's like, but I always love saying that, you know, it's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of sacrifice, but if you put yourself first and do what you need to do, your family and friends will always support you no matter what. But the most important thing is you have to enjoy the process as well. If you don't enjoy it, you're going to burn out very, very quickly because I know a lot of guys that like, you know, growing up in swimming that were, just like just as good as me, maybe a little bit better, but they were really, really, really focused on what swimming and all that stuff and didn't really look like they enjoyed the process. But for me, like I enjoyed my college experience and I enjoyed high school and I got faster and faster and faster and faster. Um, and now I'm, I'm absolutely love swimming. Like I love going in and putting in the work and then seeing the results afterwards. So it was just so, yeah. I love it. Enjoy the process and enjoy the results together. Exactly. 
All right. Well, thank you so much, Shane. If we want to find out more or if the listeners want to connect with you, where's the best place to find you? Yeah. So just give me a follow on Instagram at Shane Ryan, um, O-L-Y. And it's the same thing for Twitter. Um, and then, yeah, Facebook as well. Right on. We'll be watching, man. Uh, thanks again for coming on. It was great talking to you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right. Later, man. Talk to you. See you. All right. That's the show. Uh Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, um, like and subscribe and leave a comment below if there's anything you want me to talk about on my live reading of viewer questions and feedback. Uh, That'll be happening very soon once I'm done with all of the ISL content. For all updates, follow at Pro Corner Podcast on Instagram or like and follow uh, the Pro Corner Facebook page. You can also find me on Instagram at Austin Serhoff or on Facebook and LinkedIn if LinkedIn's your thing. Next week, ISL mode continues. I've got Tate Jackson from the Cali Condors and Allie Tetzloff of the LA Current. And like I said at the top of the episode, they will be full video Zoom podcasts on YouTube. And the audio will also be available wherever you get your audio podcasts. And it'll be... Day in the life, this is what's going on in Budapest. These are the mechanics of my day-to-day life. And it's super interesting to me because I keep using the word experiment about the ISL because that's what this thing truly is. They just brought a bunch of people from, from around the world and put them in this island, Margaret Island in Budapest. And there's so much that goes into keeping the athletes safe, keeping them fed, making sure that they can train at a high level, And then finally, making sure that they put out a good product with the competition. So if you're interested in that, tune in next week. I talk to them both about the ISL and then also things about visualization and goal setting and all the things that goes into them being professional swimmers. Um, This is Pro Corner after all. And the pro experience is something that's deeply, deeply important to me. So tune in next week. Subscribe wherever you're listening right now. And I'll see you guys soon. Thanks for stopping by.